this thing about speaking our truth is really important. I want to say it isn't about getting up on a mountaintop and telling people that they're full of crap. It's not about that. You know, it's not about just getting it off your chest. Hey there, welcome to the Biohacker Babes podcast. We are your hosts. I'm Renee, a certified nutritional consultant with a master's degree in nutrition. What's up? And I'm Lauren, functional diagnostic nutrition practitioner and check movement specialist. We're sisters and we're joining forces to empower you to become your own biohacker and upgrade your life. Our mission is to provide actionable steps so you can optimize your health, strengthen your intuition, and support your body's natural healing abilities. Because life is too short to not feel your best every single day. Thank you for joining us and welcome to the show. Welcome, welcome to episode 162 of the Biohacker Babes. I'm Lauren tuning in from Maryland today, and I am joined by my sister Renee across the country in Las Vegas. Hey there. Hey there. <laughs> hey, Vegas. Hi, Vegas. Going Hi, on Maryland. Today? Life is good. Actually, no, I recorded this podcast in New York. <laughs> And then I ran to Maryland real quick and recorded the intro. Here we are. <laughs> this is another episode of Where in the World is Lauren Sambatero? Where in the world is? Well, I do always tell our guests up front, but we could play the game. All right. Mental health is on the agenda today. Really excited. Our guest today is Dr. Fred Moss. He is a psychiatrist who is making some gentle but profound waves in the mental health space. He's been in the space for a very long time. He has some fascinating stuff to share. And he's also just an amazing communicator, listener, and he's a fellow podcaster. So that made our jobs easy, but he is really about sharing true voice and making our time here on earth more, gosh, fill in all the adjectives, more abundant, more joyful, easier. What else would you add to that bucket? Yeah. I I mean, I think everything he discussed is really to support humanity overall. I mean, just to make us all better beings. And I think he even says, you know, our time on this planet is short, so let's make every minute just incredible and magical. And yeah, it comes down to speaking our true voice and being our authentic self. And I personally have definitely struggled with that. It's it's hard, especially in today's world, to really speak your truth. And, you know, especially with what we've gone through in the past couple of years. But he mm-hmm. says that when you are able to do that, not only is your life going to be all those adjectives you said, but that's where healing takes place. It starts there. I thought that was pretty profound. Yeah. And I think within that, he has a lot of amazing resources. He is the author of several books. He has a course. You can work with him one-on-one. So all of these ideas and, and topics that we introduced today know that there is like a wealth of resources behind that. So you don't have to learn everything today in the podcast. He really is available and wants to be that access point for people. He doesn't want the conversation to stop here. And I think that's sort of the issue with maybe self-help books that we've been kind of talking about in the last five to 10 years. It's like, okay, you read the book. Now what? Did you integrate it? Did you continue it? Are you staying in that practice? Like, is it actually changing your life long-term? Sure, we can read and be inspired, but what's the actual change that's happening? And we do kind of address that at the end of the podcast. Like, how do we make sure this is not the end of the conversation? And I think he's really good at doing that. Yeah, take advantage of everything that he is offering. He really wants you to reach out to him. Like, please email him, follow him, do everything. He wants to make a difference in the world. and. 
I felt that at that. the end we were saying goodbye to him. I was like, Oh, okay. Yep. 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 We gotta, <laughs> we're going to stay in this. Yeah. This is important. This is really important. Really I think you're going to love Dr. Fred. Here is a little bit more about him. Dr. Fred Moss is a graduate of Northwestern University Medical School and a licensed psychiatrist who has served the mental health industry for nearly four decades. During that time, he has consulted patients, practitioners, medical facilities, nonprofit organizations, and community groups. In 2006, Dr. Fred began taking a new approach with his patients, working with a chosen few to assist in reclaiming their lives from the clenched fists of psychiatric diagnoses and medication. Lo and behold, they reliably eventually improved, even to the point of their diagnoses actually disappearing. Dr. Fred has since dedicated his efforts to establishing his brand, Welcome to Humanity, as a home base for his work as a speaker, coach, and advisor as a non-diagnosing psychiatrist. He is also an expert witness, specializing in psychiatric malpractice cases and often centering around atrocities that can occur behind closed, locked doors in nursing homes, hospitals, prisons, and jails. Dr. Fred is the host of the inspiring Welcome to Humanity podcast, a show that explores what it means to be human and how to live an extraordinary life. He is the author of Creative Eight, Healing Through Creativity and Self-Expression. Dr. Fred is married to his dream partner, Alexandra, and lives in the foothills of the Sierra Nevadas in Northern California. He is a proud father of two beautiful children in Texas and is owned collectively by his three cats, Valentino, Despacito, and Winston, which he does talk about a little bit in the podcast. I love that so much. He's a bundle of joy. Yes, he is. All right, let's jump in. Dr. Fred, welcome to the Biohacker Babes podcast. How it's are you great today? to be here. Thank you for having me. It's really just a pleasure. I can't wait for our conversation. Oh, it is such a pleasure to have you here. Thanks for joining us. Yes. So super excited for this conversation today. And we uh, we talked offline a little bit. There are no boundaries, no filters today. So it's going to be uh, a wild and fun ride today. Okay. So, as a psychiatrist and also fellow podcaster, which is really fun for us, you are really transforming the conversations that we're having or should be having around mental health. And you really believe that communication and connection between humans is a powerful tool for healing. I think you've been called the undoctor. So to kick it off, can you share with us what is your ultimate message? What is your purpose? here in the space. Well, you just touch on it a little bit there. You know, it's not just like a powerful tool for healing. It's actually the only prerequisite for any type of healing. So, you know, conversation, uh, communication, creativity, and ultimately human connection are at the heart of all healing of all conditions of all kinds everywhere. And without that, you know, without that connection, healing just simply does not take place. And, you know, we are social beings, but more often than not, at least in the world of psychiatry, but I think you could make a case uh, for it being all, all, all worlds, um, what a psychiatric symptom or a psychiatric condition really is, is sort of a blockage in some form of either listening or self-expression. And, you know, once we connect, once we resonate with another human being, once we start getting that, you know, we have a capacity to uh, relate to each other in ways that we never thought before, that it's instantaneous. You don't have to wait for years. You don't have to lie on a couch four times a week. You don't have to move to Tibet or sit under a tree. You don't have to do any of that. You can actually get that upon being heard or upon hearing someone actually resonating harmonically with someone, 
healing takes place right that very second. Not every condition, but what needed to be healed is it really, it's, it, I, we all know that. That's why we pursue it. That's why we're talking right now. We're all pursuing that level of instantaneous healing, which maybe I just provided already in this last minute or minute and a half of a conversation. Yeah. yeah. So is it more about being heard? Is it about the sharing? What, what actually is the magic in there? So it's not so much about being heard for the content that I'm spilling out. And it's not so much necessarily sharing unless you start getting into the word sharing a little deeper. Most people think, you know, when they say share, that they're really asking you to vocalize your opinion on whatever the matter is. And that's what's called sharing. But sharing, if you really consider what it really is, is a, is a you know, a two-person exchange that when someone is speaking, another person is listening. And not just listening for the content that's, that's coming out of that person's mouth, but what's being said, what's not being said, how is it being said, what's the presentation, how does this affect me, we process it, we listen, listen, listen. And then that creates some degree of response, uh, which is the other side of sharing. So it's like, you know, outwardly communicate and listen and then outwardly communicate and then listen, you know, and in that in that exchange was when we create the human connection. That's when we create the intimacy. It's where we can figure out authenticity. And in that intimacy and authenticity comes the human connection. And in that human connection comes, you know, for lack of a better word, all I could come with, unless you guys come up with a better word for me, it comes to the healing, you know, the healing that we all uh, you know, if we go with the basis that we all have core wounds or wounds that we've gotten as a child or wounds that we've gotten in previous lives, depending on where you're coming from, the idea is that healing is available and and uh, pursuable, if not present and uh, functional right now in all of our lives, as long as we're willing to have the courage to connect with another person, listening and speaking. Mm. As far as the speaking goes, it does seem like a lot of people have a hard time, you know, speaking their true voice. Do you think this is from things that happened to us as kids? Is mm. it the world we're living in? Like, what is blocking that for us? It's a really great question. So, you know, true voice comes in multiple flavors as well. So, you know, my most recent book, which now I get to get to um, pitch so early in our podcast, is it has a, a a wild name. It's actually called "Find Your True Voice," and and your um your audience can have a copy of the hard copy of that book if they like by going to findyourtruevoicebook.com. And Thank it's a you. book that I'm really really proud of. You know, I I really like the book. It's fun and easy to read and it captures really what it takes to, to dig in and deliver that true voice. And then if you really start looking at where did we lose it, right? Because a child is not, he's not born necessarily, he or she, they are not necessarily born with a voice, but they're already self-expressing. And then as we, you know, go through two, three, four years old, we're still self-expressing, you know, we're just like, you know, saying what we mean to say, but we're starting to learn that if we act, uh, if we, um, if we fabricate or elaborate or accentuate certain aspects of who we are, being someone different than who we are has dividends. It pays off. I mean, I know that if I scream a little bit louder, I'll get a nicer sucker. Or I know that if I blame my sister for something I did, she'll get in trouble for it. And that's cool because I'm off the hook. And we start really learning that pretending to be someone that we're not has some value in protecting the person that we are. 
the crack in the cement continues to get larger and larger over time. And then we're no longer even encouraged to be who we are. If we start raising our hand in class or we start speaking at the dinner table, like questioning authority or anything, you know, just told to hush, hush up and, you know, just, you know, stop being a troublemaker. And so then we really start getting that having a, a level of duplicity or a level of pretentiousness starts being a natural lifestyle. And we never went really back to repair it because there was no urgency to do so. And since everybody else is doing it anyways, it's sort of like the prevailing conversation supports this idea that, again, that being someone different than we than who we are is serves some form of protective value for who we are. It's one of the most absurd things that humans have ever developed when you think about it. I mean, the <laughs> idea that you're going to protect yourself by pretending to be someone you're not. Yeah. Yeah. It's uh, wild. <laughs> like, what? I mean, Why? I'm, so- <laughs> I'm sorry. Can you help me? You know, can you help me get to how you got there? But the thing is, is that every single one of us does it. So yeah. that's true. In order to socialize, we have done it. We have learned, and now maybe more in the Western world, maybe more in modernity than in the past, but not much. You know, this idea of protecting ourselves. So I give some talks. You know, I love giving expert speaking talks. Again, you know, some a mild pitch for your audience. If there's someone out there who decides that they like how I speak, I'd love to speak to the small groups or large groups for that matter, because everyone really needs to find their true voice. The idea is that, you know, we have come to the space where I ask at one point in the conversation, if all we really want in this life is to be heard for who we are, and you can make a case that that's exactly what we all want, uh, then why is it so difficult to say what we really mean? And you could might be able to guess what the first answer, I mean, there's an answer that people give that's 95% of the time, it's the one answer. If it's one word, what might you think it is? It's a four-letter Fear? word. But yeah, fear? Exactly. exactly. Oh, fear. Exactly. Yeah. Exactly. That's it. That people are afraid and so afraid that they're willing to adulterate their own personality to protect their heart from being broken or to protect being kicked off the island or protect causing damage, censored, canceled. You know, there's so many things, mm-hmm. uh, you know, being misunderstood or being ostracized or being you know, uh, who knows, hung in effigy, for God's sake. I mean, you, 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 or hung for real, for God's sake. I mean, we really, we really get concerned about that. So we choose either not to say what is really on our mind or to say something different than what's really on our mind in order to get through those moments. It's a shame. At some level, it's, it's, it's like an ultimate tragedy, right? I mean, there's, think of, you don't have that many tragedies that are bigger than that one. Mm. that you cannot name that many tragedies that are bigger than that one. Mm. And in this, what makes find your true voice so interesting or the true voice course that I'm developing so interesting that I'm developed and I'll speak to so interesting is that the timeliness now is so critical, Look, we have lots of problems. You might say like the greatest threat in the world is, you know, I, I, I start my talk. I'll give you a little punchline in my talk, which is the greatest threat in the world isn't what you think it is. And, you know, people are like, what's the greatest threat in the world? Oh, it's COVID. Oh, it's, you know, it's uh, climate change or racism, or maybe it's uh, sex trafficking or war in Ukraine or war everywhere. Or maybe it's the Supreme Court or no. 
It's actually none of those. And all of those are so calamitous that they're completely threatening all of humanity. So I'm not diminishing the impact of any of those. But the greatest threat in the world is that we're not speaking our true voice. We are collectively giving up our capacity to speak our honest self. Why is that a greater threat? Because every single one that I just named and all the conditions of anything happening in your own house or with your own relationships or even with yourself are going to require true voice to get to the other side of. So if you have a brush fire and you have no way to put it out, the greatest threat in the world in that particular situation is that you got no way to put this thing out. It has nothing to do with the fire anymore. You just have no way to deal with the so-called problem that you're up to. In this case, to deal with any of these problems, people are going to just have to start listening and speaking. And if they don't, well, I don't know about you, but the future looks pretty damn grim and bleak if we're not going to be able to talk about this stuff. Now, that mixed with the idea that people are choking us out of our true voice, contracting our true voice, our governments or agencies or, you know, um, cultures that are no longer, you know, that are really honestly making it very difficult to speak our very true self. That's one piece. And it might even be happening. I don't know if you notice it might be happening here in our country, too. And um, and it's then we look at the voluntary aspect, even when given the possibility of speaking our true voice, we choose not to. Man, Again, I don't know that you can come up with a bigger, pro- a bigger major issue that's affecting humanity than that one. And so these broad shoulders, I guess, were brought here to deal with something like sourcing people to get to their true voice. Mm. It, yeah. It's so interesting because people, I feel like some people on the surface believe that's the problem because it's just polite and we'll all get along more if everyone just kind of does hush hush. But I'm curious, like, why is this happening? Is it a more mm-hmm. like a modernity and industrialization is more masculine in its framework, like black, white, right, wrong. Like, are we losing our creative orientation? Like what was, what's the source of this? Well, it kind of, it's a great question. A really, really great question. And, you know, I think if you start looking at, I don't know, but I, I, when the pandemic uh, first, when this most recent pandemic, March, 2020, I decided, you know, I had a bunch of books. I have thousands of books in this house. And I was like, no, I'll start reading some books that haven't had something to do with anything. So I read The Plague, and it was pretty amazing. Wow. Albert, Albert Camus. And then I decided to read in 1984. And uh, no, I didn't. I got through two-thirds of that book. And I was like, uh, I know how this goes, <laughs> Winston. And uh, I'm not going to join you on the rest of this ride. Sure. I, I'm not going with you, Winston. I, it's too, I, you're a mate. My cat's name is Winston. That's how I remember. And it's like, but the star of the show in that book, his name is Winston too. And uh, he it's, it's, it doesn't turn out that good for Winston. And it doesn't turn out that good for the world, actually, this 1984 thing. So there's a, there, you, you could make a case if you're Orwell, that this is just a natural progression of things that we were just sort of, we were sort of headed towards that where people just give up their, capacity of to their own freedom they just kind of take it for granted until it's stolen and then you're you know you're part of the machine that's all you are and you have nothing to say about anything and your opinion is not only not welcome it's illegal all right Mm -hmm. so there's something like really dark about that and if i would have read that third chapter i would i'd tell you even more about it (laughs) <laughs> but there's more to it, too. There's there's this idea that we've been driven into complacency 
and we're being driven into it right this very minute as if this pandemic thing is like behind us and maybe there's another one in front of us or maybe not. So in the meantime, let's pretend to be who we were before the whole thing started so that we can get comfortable again and start, you know, breathing each other's air and all that. There's a tendency to forget the level of urgency that's out here. And so it's being, you know, subversive, subversive. I, you know, it's being quietly washed out again so that without the urgency, I mean, who gives a crap what I have to say is, is what, you know, well, it's not going to matter anyways. The problems are too big anyways, or, you know, why would I want to cause trouble? It might hurt my girlfriend or it might, you know, affect my kids or my reputation or something like that. Why would I want to cause trouble? I'd just rather just stay quiet. And um, it takes some courage to step into your true self, I guess. You know, I mean, it's kind of weird, too, as if it do- <laughs> do you, again, do you get how absurd it is? It takes courage to actually be yourself. That means it, it does. doesn't take courage to actually lie. Yeah. Well, like, just oh, no, the no. conditioning over time. It's like a muscle that hasn't been used. Exactly. Sure, That's really scary. It's real scary. And it is, look, we're not meant to be here forever. And, uh, you know, we don't get out of this place alive and, you know, death is inevitable. <laughs> we don't? <laughs> no. <laughs> and, and, you know, we're headed in that direction. But uh, none of us, you know, we're pretty pain averse as a, um, as a species. You know, none of us are like e- eager to go into real pain. Mm-hmm. But the thing that is here is uh, real pain becomes a very real possibility if we don't speak our true voice, like real pain as if pain outside the range of anything that we might have imagined that it might happen anyways, even if we start, you know, speaking our truth. And, you know, because sp- this thing about speaking our truth is really important. I want to say it isn't about getting up on a mountaintop and telling people that they're full of crap. But it isn't about calling up your mother-in-law and telling her she's an idiot. It's not about that. You know, it's not about just getting it off your chest. It's really about listening carefully for what's being called for. What will move a conversation needle forward? What will make a difference? What will be a contribution to the context or to the, um, you know, the group of people that you're dealing with? And then setting that free, you know, and then speaking to that. It also doesn't have to be vocality like I'm doing now. So my first book is called Creative Eight. So the Creative Eight, uh, healing through creativity and self-expression, speaks towards other ways to be self-expressed besides vocality. So art, music, dancing, singing, drama, cooking, writing, gardening are the top eight. You know, there's two more, photography and cleaning, and then there's two more after that which are uh, being of service, which is the punch card of the Creative Eight uh, book. Ultimately, if you really want to release yourself from whatever the so-called symptoms or discomfort you are having in life, one thing that will work every single time is helping anybody do anything. While you're helping anybody do anything, whatever it is that was troubling you is simply disappears. So you can get that there is nothing more potent in the world, nothing, than helping another person do something. And that can be sharpening their pencil. It can be, you know, going to the market for them or cutting their lawn. It can be anything, you know, it can be anything. And when we're helping people do stuff, that's when uh, there's a level of reset that takes place in our own humanity. So 
I, what I'm finding is that people are more people than ever are sort of curious. They're like, you know what? I, uh, I haven't spoken my true voice in my whole life. Like no one even knows what I think about things. Mm. No one even knows who I am. Because if you don't speak your true voice, no one will ever know you. I mean, this is the truth. Yeah. You want to speak like you're somebody else and then pretend to be that person? That's fine. But no one will ever know you. It's not even fine, but I'll say it's fine. And it does take courage, especially in these difficult times. You you know, so the idea is you can express your true voice, but it's not, it's probably should be done incrementally so that you're not just, you know, pounding your chest and telling people that they're wrong or, or, or something like that. You could be, the interest you have to have is in moving moving the conversation forward. And once you do that through listening, which is the, which is the active, um, we'll call it secret ingredient of true voice. And then you can start making a difference in the world and you can feel the joy. I mean, actually the sheer ecstasy of harmonically resonating with, with the world around you. And that becomes pretty addicting in its own self. Yeah. And I mean, I feel like the pandemic has really been a test for all of us in exactly what you're saying. I think mm-hmm. a lot of us have things we want to say, but we are fearful to say them. And mm-hmm. I mean, I know I lost a couple friends over yeah, for sure. putting my opinion out there. Do you think that what has happened to us during the pandemic kind of being silenced a little bit has caused an increase oh, in yeah. a lot of these mental health issues? And can you speak to some of those. Yeah. You know, March 18th, you know, March 18th, I had uh, my wife and I, we had a one-way ticket to Israel. I'm uh, I happen to be an Israeli citizen. I'm a, I'm a, um, you know, I made Aliyah in 2017. So she's not, she's Ukrainian and which is a whole different conversation. You know, then the, the, the we were in Los Angeles and the lockdown was announced and it was like, I immediately, you know, I was like, Oh, this, it's the biggest shit that we've seen ever in our life. I, I knew that that day. This is the biggest shit we've ever seen. So I'm not going to Israel. I'll stay home. You know, we weren't even married yet, but we got married since. So we had a cool, cool wedding. It was because I, I, I could see immediately that, that this was going to be divisive and rich enough to, to split humanity. So mm-hmm. making that prediction had some people like pissed off at me, like Fred nods two weeks. I'm like, dude, this is so not two weeks. You know, this is so not two weeks. This is here to stay. And I was saying that on March 18th. Now, I could have even said it on February 18th or on 2019 or 2017. I mean, it was was coming. It was, you know, there's something like this coming. The deal's going down. I just heard uh, my friend sent me... um, I'm a Led Zeppelin fan. So my friend sent me uh, just this last uh, last half hour before the show. He sent me this um, When the Levy Breaks, uh, this montage of When the Levy Breaks, which is one of Zeppelin's best songs ever. And it was the same kind of thing. It's like, oh, yeah, the levy's going to break. When the levy breaks, you'll have nowhere to go. You know, when the levy breaks, you got nowhere to go. That's, the, you know, it has challenged us. Families get broken up. Relationships get broken up. Friendships are broken up. We are forced to become superficial. You don't even ask people anymore about what they think about shit. Like, you don't. Mm-hmm. You're just hoping it doesn't come up. <laughs> yeah. And then yeah. you're imagining a person like that probably thinks this because they said that and they did that. And the, most of the time when people say that and do that and think that, they probably think this about that. And we never even have the freaking conversation. We just assume you think they're 
When yeah, all we're all great storytellers at this point. <laughs> at this point, we're yeah. all great storytellers. And we, you know, we pretend some of us are pretending to tolerate each other. Other people are pretending to be partnered with each other. And, you know, it's like the level of devastation of connection in these last couple of years is what makes True Voice even more important. So what I have to say about my opinion about politics or about medicine or about, you know, climate or something. What I think I'm finding, and this is what I, this is what the whole course is about and what's Find Your True Voice book is about, is that authenticity is so much more important than content, so much more important than agreement. You know, Lauren was saying, oh yeah, let's just agree because we don't want to cause trouble. But the truth is agreeing inauthentically doesn't land anyways. People are like, you're so full of crap. You know, you're, mm-hmm. you like, so you have, you say something and someone says, uh-huh, uh-huh. And you just know they're not, they're not agreeing with you. It's not hitting home. Like it's all good. You get, you're seeing that they're acquiescing their own voice in the fear that they might upset you on the other hand. And this is where I think I learned this is even if someone is totally diametrically opposed to you in a particular topic, but they're coming from their heart authentically, have you noticed that you actually can listen to them and be engaged in a conversation that's actually useful? Mm-hmm, Even if they're yeah. like so 100% away from you, they believe that you know that everything that you know, because you always know, you know, you always know, you always know what you know. And especially when you know that you know what you know, you become really dangerous right then. Like when you're really sure about what you know, but since you know what you know, and you do know it, because after all, it's the truth, you know, because you know, it's the truth. And that person over there says something that's a hundred percent against what it is that you're saying that is the truth, but they say it from a space of authentic belief and heartfelt, you know, honesty, a conversation can ensue with respect for each other. Because authenticity and true voice has that level of magic associated with it. And the, like, you know, I've already said, the opposite is also true. When someone agrees with you and, in fact, it's inauthentic, that's, like, worse. You're not having any conversation with them about anything. You're, you're, you know, you're insignificant. It's an insignificant agreement in that situation. Yeah. Mm. Hey, biohackers. It is really hard to overstate how important magnesium is for all aspects of our health. But it's pretty awesome that so many people in the health industry are talking about the importance of magnesium. I mean, this even includes people like Dr. Mark Hyman and Andrew Huberman, amazing people in the industry that we all look up to. And this is because magnesium is really essential to our health and our well being. This is a huge problem today because magnesium deficiency can increase your risk of all diseases and keep you from performing optimally. And we really don't want to wait until we are deficient in magnesium. Even more critically, there's not just one type of magnesium. There are actually seven different types that we need in order to ensure both our health and vitality remain strong. Now, we are huge advocates of getting as many of our nutrients as we can through a real food, well-balanced diet. And it would be perfect if we could do just that. But in this case, it's almost impossible to get enough magnesium taken through our food alone because our soil is depleted of minerals and lacking organic matter, which really helps the plants get the food that they need from the soil. I've heard that if half a century ago we needed to eat one head of lettuce, today we would have to eat 50 heads of lettuce to get the same amount of nutrients. That is bonkers. Fortunately, Bioptimizers has an incredible solution. 
Yeah, their product, Magnesium Breakthrough, this supplement, it's the only product in the market with all seven types of magnesium, like I mentioned, and it's specifically formulated to reach every tissue in your body to provide maximum health benefits. The Bioptimizer's Magnesium Breakthrough gives you access to the full spectrum of magnesium, which can dramatically improve your overall health. It does things like reduce stress, improve sleep, reduces anxiety, can even boost our energy levels, really a broad spectrum of benefits. Yeah, I've personally seen a great improvement in my workout recovery and my sleep stats since incorporating Mag Breakthrough. And when I travel, it always makes the cut in my bag. Yep, I always have that in my suitcase for sure. Can't go anywhere without it. So right now, if you want to try Bioptimizer's Magnesium Breakthrough or any of the other awesome Bioptimizer's products that we love, for 10% off, you can just head over to magbreakthrough.com slash biohackerbabes. That's magbreakthrough.com slash biohackerbabes. We will link to that in the show notes for today's episode as well, so it's easy for you to find. And then when you're checking out, make sure you use code biohackerbabes10, and that will boost your intake of magnesium, and you can start feeling better right away. All right, biohackers, don't wait to be deficient. Start taking the best magnesium and improve your well-being right now. Just go to www.magbreakthrough.com backslash biohacker babes. All right, let's get back to the show. I'm I'm curious, how can psychedelics play a role mm. in increasing this authenticity? You are you guys are so eager to get here. That's a pretty good leap, and we'll we'll see what see what we got to say about that. <laughs> I just because um, I'm thinking, I you know, I hear I hear stories of people going and doing. I mean, this is maybe more extreme, like an ayahuasca experience, yeah. and they come back and they're like, they are speaking their truth full yeah. force, right? That's why they say don't make any major life changes when you first get back, and maybe it can be more simple yeah. as microdosing psilocybin. I don't know. Yeah. Well, you know, in the last couple of years, this whole idea of saying, putting the words together, simple like microdosing psilocybin, um, you know, now it's like an everyday thing. You know, you know, it's like people, you know, your next door neighbor is probably doing it and your coworkers certainly are doing it. And, you know, who knows? You're probably doing it. Yeah. Who knows? Who knows who's doing it? And it's become like, that's a small thing. You know, that's like, you know, using head and shoulders instead of Prell or something. You know, it's like, it's like, you know, yeah, I microdose. Do you like microdose? You have LSD yeah. or is it psilocybin? Like, what's your favorite flavor? You know, the, the deal with, with uh, psychedelics and the way I see it and the value that it could be. First of all, if it, as psychedelics land in the world of allopathic conventional medicine, I become immediately drastically concerned about it. If doctors and I mean, I am a supervisor for a company um, that uh, that I'm a supervisor for a company whose sole purpose is to help people go through ketamine journeys. I love ketamine. I think ketamine is the coolest shit ever. I I, I just think it's great. I think it, I think the power inside of a ketamine journey and and the value that ketamine has to offer is most amazing. It really is. It, you know, and even in compared directly to other hallucinogens and, you know, including all of them, actually, everything from, you know, everything from MDMA to LSD to any of the plant medicines to, you know, psilocybin or whatever, ketamine has a lot to offer. But in the hands of allopathic medicine, we have to come up with a diagnosis. We have to come up with contraindications. We have to think about drug-drug interactions. we got to look at cardiac issues. we got to look at past history, drug-seeking, all that crap, right? It totally alters things. And 
the different um, forms of delivery, like the nasal versus the skin versus the IV versus the IM versus under the tongue versus the pill, you know, they have, uh, they have many different versions, um, leaves open just oodles of problems within the next year or two in the hands of, of modern medicine. Mm-hmm. The opposite is true when you talk about ayahuasca, which is, you know, certainly uh, as recently as two years ago, you said the word ayahuasca, most people in the room would not know what you're talking about. Now you say the word ayahuasca and most people think they know what you're talking about. And then there's people who have done a journey or two and they think they know what you're talking about. That particular medicine, you know, the popularity of that, of that particular ally is, uh, I, I also think it's with proper due respect, it's an incredible experience. You know, it really is life-changing because you're left seeing that the absurdity of this three-dimensional world can be dealt with from somewhere else. Like, the, you know, you're given access maybe to divinity or to eternity or to uh, a grander understanding of, the, you know, the illusion of death or death is nothing to be afraid of and all the things that people walk away from uh, with those experiences. just if death was nothing to be afraid of, none of this shit would even bother us. <laughs> I mean, if we really got as a culture that death is absolutely nothing to be afraid of, even a little, imagine what would that would do to all of humanity. I mean, if we were stopped being afraid of death, these days, we are so afraid of death that we're willing to kill ourselves in order to avoid it. And that's, again, excuse the inherent absurdity of that but hello are you doing what you're doing what when you say it like that yeah (laughs) yeah 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 no really we're totally willing to kill ourselves in or in order to avoid death and Mm -hmm. when you get out to ayahuasca when you get up there into third fourth fifth seventh twelfth dimensions you start being able to look at that with a fair degree of humor or a fair degree of disregard or a fair degree of, oh my God, are we ridiculous? And, and a new level of um, baseline foundation reality gets set in or at least gets introduced to your life. You know, unfortunately, you generally have to snap back to this three-dimensional world when you're done. And the interface between now knowing, I don't know, there's, there's some great memes out there about ayahuasca, you know, um, this guy yeah there's some great meme but you know you come back and and you're just like doing your best to reintroduce to the world that which you learned when you were out there probably having and by the way during the experience an extraordinarily miserable time during the experience like your mind is going through shit and you're like wow this is the worst thing i've ever experienced and then you come out of it on the other end you're like that was the best thing i ever did it's like yeah. Okay, I, I actually understand. <laughs> I actually understand that. Yeah. And then you and then you um you know you have to integrate it. So in the hands of shaman or in the hands of Amazonians, you know, in the hands of wherever, you know, if you're doing any of the uh the Peruvian or the rainforest level plant medicine allies, that's the kind of respect that at least at this point I I have for those type of ceremonies is that it should it should not be done with you and a few friends and, you know, just chilling over some, you know, I don't know, over some music or something, it should be given sacred respect, you know, deep and deep and honest sacred respect, because what's about to happen is life as you know, it is going through, is about to go through a massive change, especially in the area of the things that we've just talked about, the things that you know, that, you know, 
Mm-hmm. No, you don't. So and you're going to, you... you're going to go ahead. No, no, please. Yeah. When the things that you know, that, you know, get, get challenged, you know, and then, and then you realize, wow, I don't even know that I knew that I know that, you know, and now all of a sudden you yeah. get to reconstruct life from the ground up. And that can be really both confusing and uh, liberating, mm-hmm. you know? Yeah, absolutely. Are you speaking about just these most powerful medicines like an ayahuasca? I mean, there, I think the cultural appropriation is definitely a big issue. Like there's shamans in New York City and on the street in, in LA. So are we just talking about ayahuasca, iboga? Like you don't think even mushrooms, which can technically be grown anywhere, is it across the board that you feel like these really need to be revered and kept in their indigenous, I guess, mm. environment? Well, again, if you're talking about the muscaris uh, mushroom, you're right. They're grown all over the world and, you know, easy to grow, easy to see. They're even in the wild. I think you get a better experience when you treat it with that level of ceremony. In fact, I think you get a better experience with cannabis when you do that, too. I think you get a better experience with, with all plant medicines when you do that. And there's really a there's a tendency to just enjoy. Now we're going back to Arcadia. You know, we talked about Arcadia, uh, um, you know, in uh, Area 15 a couple of weeks ago. Um, and there's a tendency to just enjoy the visuals or to have a party or to like combine it. Let's say in Arcadia's sake, it, was, it seemed like maybe there was more MDMA there than other things. There's a tendency to uh, enjoy the visuals or enjoy, you know, just enjoy it for the trippy nature of it rather than what's possible here, which is to restructure the entire foundation of reality and come up with another approach of dealing with what's here rather than escaping out the side door into, you know, fire dancing or electronic music that makes your, you know, makes your bones rattle. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. I, as a follow-up, I would really love to know with this third wave, which feels very precious, like I think it's important to kind of reset the mainstream narrative and and educate people about the power of these. And, you know, it's not what we thought it was in the 60s. If you had full control, how would this third wave be rolled out to Mm. the public? Uh, You know, I... um... I have funny answers to the question, and I, you know, I've thought about it before. I, it, things would have to change so drastically to roll it out that way. It's like post-revolution, you know. It's like mm. post-civil war. It's like post whatever is going to happen, calamity, whatever, whatever words. And I'm when I say words like that, I'm I always Shit. like to accompany it with um, <laughs> cancel clear, like I'm because I'm so powerfully able to manifest the future as we all are that those words, you know, I want to like erase it. But it, okay. Mm. I think that that's where it's going to get its likely likely value. In the present day and age, I just think that there's there's such reality benders. You know, there's the prevailing conversation has us all believe is true, just aren't true. So you can't really. It's almost like you can't really just deliver this. You know, can you have okay microdosing? So you're talking earlier about that. If you microdose some LSD or you microdose some psilocybin, it's brilliant. It's, it is brilliant. If you get underneath, like you're just get a little touch of increased creativity without any hallucinogens, you can still, you know, drive home and um, use the remote and actually appreciate it and stuff. That's a whole different experience, right? But but even if you get to three times a microdose or 10 times a microdose dose, 
Now you start dabbling with some of the, um, you know, hallucinogenic experiences or the psychedelic experiences. And I just don't trust humanity to actually be able to manage that properly on their own. Who are the people who know about it? Well, you know, in the sake, in, in, in the case of the plant medicine folks, most of that stuff, it seems like much of that stuff comes from, uh, you know, comes from the uh, rainforest area and, and, and the shaman that have been grown there for generations, you know, who have been generationally involved and been using this stuff long before Stanislav Graf had anything to say about it. They have some access to some very real ways of, of managing this and of seeing energies that we didn't even know existed and, you know, taking care of us and walking through the integration or even the process itself. And it's there where I think the real magic lies, where you can really alter the foundationally the um, inappropriate things that are maybe maybe not inappropriate, but obsolete things that we think we know about what reality is. So I don't know how I would roll it out in the present world, but it would be, uh, I think it would be, you know, as soon as we start certifying shaman, the same shit happens, right? Then you got mm. these like, you know, shaman coaching you know like shaman coaching centers like you know uh, even, terrifying yeah you could get a yeah. lauren you could get like another set of four initials like uh <laughs> over the weekend yeah, over the week <laughs> i'm gonna make shaman an acronym though i'm gonna make every letter count there you go exactly I <laughs> shm yeah. there you go yeah. <laughs> yeah well and i mean you have such an extensive background in i mean mental health psychiatry it seems like this is going to be a much better option than what we've been given for the last sure. couple of decades. And I'm just curious. I have so many questions about this. I'm trying to think yeah. where I want to kick it off with. How do we um, integrate plant medicine with traditional psychiatry? Say that I again. guess. I mean, I think some people are really looking for a diagnosis, right? They want to know there's something wrong with them. They want so, to know there's something wrong with them. That's also really hilarious and true. Yeah, they I see it all the time. Them. They don't want to know there's something right with them, by the way. Right. No, yeah, I hear. Come into my office, if I tell them that there's nothing wrong with you, they just get they just get loaded furious. Yeah, it if seems I, like they, they want to blame it on it. something. Like I've had friends be like, oh, "I have ADD. Yes. I knew it. I Ex knew it all along." Exactly. I'm like, "Why are we celebrating?" <laughs> exactly. It's wow. the only subspecialty in all of medicine that you're really, really, really looking for getting a diagnosis because, and again, for the people in, who are listening, who have found their diagnosis and they love their treatment and they're so glad to be taking their medicine and can't think of a better way to live life than how they're living it right now inside the psychiatric world. What I'm about to say doesn't apply to them. Congratulations to them. And I really mean it. More power to you. That's what we've all been searching for is something that works as well as life is working for you. And it's great. Like, super cool. I'm not asking you to change your ways. If you are at that space, seriously, I'm envious. Like, good for you. Good for you. Yeah. But for the hundreds of millions of people for which that is not the case who are in the world of psychiatry getting blown up all over the space or start thinking that, you know, that maybe not only is it not helping, it's actually making them worse or causing new conditions or something like that. What I'm about to say really does work, which is, you know, the, much of the capitalistic or much of the, um, you know, the conventional medicine is, is geared towards perpetuating or sometimes increasing or sometimes actually creating symptoms that the drug or the treatment was marketed to deal with. 
So that's yeah. why there's lines around the block every morning at every single pharmacy to make sure that you don't miss your medicine. But the medicine itself is perhaps, and and I, I you know, and maybe more often than people want to actually pay attention to, actually causing the perpetuating uh, the perpetuation of the symptoms that drove you to start using it in the first place. But you're pretty sure it's you. They're pretty sure it's them. I should say, you know. So they stop yeah. using it, and here comes you get a spike of the symptoms it's marketed to treat, and they're like, there's my condition again. I would love to come off medicine, but when I stop the medicine, I get a spike of the symptoms it's marketed to treat, and that's worse than taking medicine. So I guess I'll be on medicine the rest of my life, and my life will suck, or my life will be blunted, because that's really what it is. It um, tends to be very blunting. Um uh, you know, taking away not just the symptom that you think you needed help with, but like I, I like to say that if you had a mosquito bite on your elbow and you went to a mosquito bite specialist because you tried everything for three weeks and it didn't work and you're just tired of having this darn mosquito bite and the mos- there's a mosquito bite expert downtown. So you go see him and he's like, yep, I'm the guy. Yeah, that's a mosquito bite. All right. Yeah, we can fix it. It's only going to hurt for a minute. And here's what we're going to do. We're going to cut off your arm at the shoulder and everything should be all right after that. And uh, (laughs) so you get your arm cut off. You're like, wow, thanks, doc. I don't even have the mosquito bite anymore. And you're like, you're right. Come back in two weeks. We'll take a look. You come back in two weeks. Look for that mosquito bite on the elbow. It's not there. Cure. Yeah. Yeah. And that's really not just psychiatry. There's a lot of... um, there's a lot. There's a lot of unfortunate truth to what I'm saying in that particular analogy. Yeah, I get that. Yeah. So the secret ingredient that you mentioned earlier, listening, it is. is that part of the problem? Like mental health practitioners, doctors, is there not enough learning, or is it just in the educational mm-hmm. system not the right tools? What is it? Yeah. I, I look. It isn't the mental health system or the doctors who aren't listening that's the problem. I mean, the truth is, people aren't being heard by the people that they need to be heard by. By the time they walk to a doctor's office to learn, like, like, you know, like Renee was just saying that there's something wrong with me. I need to find out what it is. I'm tired of hurting my wife. I'm tired of um, being late on my deadlines. I'm tired of uh, getting made fun of when I go out socially. I'm tired of, you know, having trouble sleeping. So there must be something wrong with me. And then you go to a doctor, you get that confirmation. Like, Yay, I'm depressed. It's like, what? Yeah. Yeah, Let's what? have a party and celebrate. <laughs> now we can all relax. We know the answer. <laughs> exactly. Exactly. And you know, the, the it isn't a matter of the doctors or the nurses or the machine not listening properly. You go to, if you go to a barbershop enough times, you're going to get a haircut. And if you show up at a mental health facility demanding to know what's wrong with you, someone's going to tell you that there's something wrong with you, and then you can have that party you're talking about. And 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 then the next time you hurt your wife or the next time you miss a deadline, you're like, dude, that isn't me. That's my condition. And mm, um, blame. It, I, it's a, always a really tricky issue. So back to your listeners, I want to get that it isn't like there's something wrong with it. If I could actually relinquish the responsibility for my life and pass it off to someone or something else. So that the next time I'm an idiot to my wife, I can just tell her, hey, honey, that's, you know. I'm actually a really great person that you just had what I just did to you that hurt you. That's my condition. I would do that in a second. If either of you want to bid for being responsible for the stupid stuff I do in my life, I'd be glad to let you win. You know, no problem. I'll be glad to blame you guys for my issues. And why do we not want to take responsibility? 
we are so concerned with the guilt and the blame and the, you know, the shame and, you know, being bad, you know, being bad, being wrong uh, is something that was sort of beaten out of us the same time that we learned how to, how to um, start speaking like we were somebody else. Hmm. So taking responsibility ends up being, you know, taking responsibility for being, for doing something, especially doing something like hurting another person is difficult. You know, that's me. I did it again. And the same thing I did yesterday that I said I would never do again, I just did again today. You know, it's, it's hard to hold yourself in that level of regard and to realize, you know, with some, yes, please don't do it tomorrow or don't do it ever again. But there's also, there's, there's a humanity there that in fact, we have other influences that have us make these mistakes and um, sometimes hurt people and sometimes hurt ourselves. And sometimes, you know, say or do things that are damaging. And it's just, it's very difficult to plead guilty, guilty, you know, mm-hmm. not guilty for yeah. reason of insanity, but guilty for reason of sanity. Like mm-hmm. I am, you know, I am human. And yes, I did that again. And I see you crying over there and it hurts, you know, it hurts to somehow take responsibility. Instead, I'd much rather go with, there must be something wrong with me. Mm. I'll make an appointment at the doctor and next week we'll find out what's wrong with me. And then go to the doctor and they say, you have post-traumatic stress disorder. You know, you have uh, you have uh, social phobia, you have a uh, narcissistic personality disorder, you have like uh, schizo schizoaffective disorder, or you have Asperger's syndrome, or you, you know, whatever the hell you have, ADHD or depression or anxiety or generalized anxiety, and you have dysthymia or bipolar disorder. It's like, really? I'm sure how, the how list if- is endless. The list is endless. The list is endless. And in many cases, the treatment was designed before the um before the actual diagnosis was developed. So, you know, you had a pill. And so that was that was an indicator at times. You would have a pill where for which a bunch of research and development went into, or it didn't work in some form of medicine. Like, you know, there's some drugs that used to be used for seizures or used to be used for, you know, headaches. And then they move into psychiatry after they run out their um their ineffectiveness in those fields. And so then they come in and they become a drug for a new condition that what didn't even exist last year. Mm-hmm. And, uh, and now you have, now you have a new condition and you have the treatment. It's kind of exciting because all sorts of players win. And there, that's the other thing is it's not like anyone is evil. You know, I used to think, oh yeah, it's the, it's the doctors, it's the drugs, it's the, it's the system. It's the truth is everybody's it's fragmented so perfectly so that it's a beautiful system nobody's bad. Nobody is inherently bad. Everybody is just doing their job and it's set up to be implemented in a, like a wheel of truth that is also um, in some ways backwards, but works. And then everyone's happy, including the patient, except the patient is the one who now has the conditions perpetuated forever. And what are you, what are you going to do? And the only, Mm -hmm. see back to this, I like that. And that's where Undoctor came from. In 2006, after a major challenge uh, to my career, um, there was, I just decided that I wasn't, I could no longer be aligned with just prescribing medicines and diagnosing people with stuff that I didn't even think they had. And I had done that tens of thousands of times before that. So I decided to do something radical, which was to take people off a of medicine and use my low risk patients, take them off a of medicine, see what happens. Because doctors aren't taught how to take people off medicine. Why, why would we? The minute we take you off of medicine, you're not our patient anymore. Mm-hmm. So 
I can't even bill if I don't medicate you. You know, it's like, mm-hmm. it's like I have Oof. to diagnose you and I almost always have to medicate you. So if that's the case, why, what would be the incentive? And plus, I don't even know how to take you off medicine. So instead, we start tapering down, taper, taper, taper over three, six, 12 months. That's also absurd for lots of reasons. So I began to take people off medicine and, and lo and behold, they got way better and they got reliably way better. And then their diagnosis disappeared. And then they're like, you know, no longer depressed, like no longer anxious, like not as a rule anyways, they get depressed if depressing thing happens or they get mm-hmm. nervous about something that's actually a little scary that's in front of them. That's called humanity, you know? <laughs> yeah. And so respecting anxiety and depression as proper responses to the world as it occurs, you know, as it occurs around us is, uh, is a whole different game. You know, that's where welcome to humanity got created eventually. And Welcome to Humanity is my main brand, my main umbrella brand. And it's the one that really, um, really takes into consideration. It's kind of self-explanatory that all of the human experience, including the highly uncomfortable ones that we've already touched on today, and there are more, are exquisite in their own sort of test. You know, like if you can get that that level of discomfort you have about whatever it is you have, I'm not saying you should love it. I'm just saying, but yes, I am also saying, yes, you should love it. You should not pursue it. You should not make it happen. But while it's happening, you should get, wow, what a life that I can experience that much grief or pain or despair or resentment or regret or, you know, fear. Like, again, it's just part of the potpourri. It's like, you know, it's like a, like a Brazilian steakhouse, a potpourri, you know, of a, a, a salad bar at those places. I've never said that before, but it's kind of fun. Uh, yeah. I love it. <laughs> you know, I I appreciate that. That I mean, we are allowed to experience all those feelings. I think people, yeah, if you're down about something, they think, yeah, oh, there's something wrong with me. I have depression. <laughs> it's like, no, that's just not a really exciting day in your life, and that yeah. makes you appreciate the more exciting, happy days even more. Exactly. So, Question for you, someone that's listening and they're resonating with everything they're saying, you're saying, and they're like, okay, what do I do? Like, where do I begin? What tool do we start with Mm -hmm. to start this journey? So this is what the true voice course is all about. And my hope is that it's running out today. Although my team is kind of dragging their feet and they have till three o'clock today, which is like, um, you know, a few hours from now. And I'm not sure what they're doing, but I, anyway, that's between me and them. It'll be out. It'll be out either today or in the next couple of days. And that is a beautiful course. That's a, it's a course that has six modules. And then each module has three major lessons and each of the lessons have three major uh, prompts. So there's 54 prompts and there's 25 videos and there's a workbook and, you know, you get a mastermind and you get exclusive uh, right to a private Facebook group and you get access to me and and uh, like-minded individuals who have already graduated the on-the-ground course. This is a more of a self-paced course, a 12-week course, where both my books get incorporated. You get copies of both my books. So the Creative 8 and Find Your True Voice are both incorporated. And in the end, I would say what I have learned over time, um, you know, I came on the earth to actually be a communicator. I mean, my family, I think, was waiting for me on, on that day when I arrived, like, because there was a lot of chaos and disarray. Uh, I had two older brothers, 10 and 14 years older than me. And I think they were hoping that Fred would bring, Freddie, little Freddie would bring um, some sort of form of joy and pleasure to their world. And that's what I did. You know, I was like a bundle of joy, like super fun, apparently, until I wasn't. But it, it, for the first couple of <laughs> years, I was. And um, the, uh, 
you know, what's what's here now is that really getting after 40,000 patients, after 42 years in this field, you know, after dropping out of college because I hated college and then dropping out again and then starting in mental health in 1980, the thing that I got is that it's all about self-expression. It's all about being heard. It's all about speaking our true voice. It's all about not uh, about being misunderstood or disregarded for the way that I am that leads to all of these issues, you know? So that's when I say that healing comes from finding that true voice and resonating with someone about it or from allowing others to find their true voice. And that's what the whole course is about. So you can, you know, I also do one-to-one training. If that's interesting to you, you don't want to take a course, that's fine. Or if you just want to come into mastermind, that's fine. But the idea is I'm not here to be your perpetual coach. I can do coaching. You know, I, we can make Matt as we may have even in the last hour. We could make massive difference in three months in how you see your world. And if you're either thinking of coming into the psychiatric field or you're all the way out and just want to take that last step out of the pool, then I can help out with that. If you're in there all the way and you're on six, eight, 12 medicines, well, I'm no longer doing that work anymore. I'm, you know, paid at the office kind of thing. And, uh, mm-hmm. but I can help people who are either thinking of going in or trepidatious about that or all the way out and just want help getting out here, like, what can I replace this nonsense with? Uh, That's what I do. So that, you know, Dr. Fred at welcometohumanity.net is my um, email, and that's a good way to get a hold of me. Um, You can go to my website at welcometohumanity.net, which is a little bit obsolete, but still has access to creating a discovery call so that we can just talk about the best way to get a hold, you know, to move forward. But more than anything, if you go to truevoicepodcasting.com, truevoicepodcasting.com. That will be, uh, that's the name of the course. The name of the course, the true voice course, we dropped off podcasting because there's a lot of ways to make your true voice. I love teaching people how to podcast. Um, it's probably the coolest way to get your voice out there, but there are other ways. So I took podcasting out of the title of the course, you know, so I can help couples talk to each other. I can help young people find their true voice. Uh, in the same course using the same method. So truevoicepodcasting.com. We'll put you on that landing page and, um, you know, come aboard and, and uh, I'll be glad to talk to you. There's, you know, for a while here, at least uh, into the next month or two, we're giving away half off for some of some people for the right people so that I can get proper feedback and make sure the course is actually serving its purpose. Amazing. Amazing. Well, thank you for putting all that together. And we will link to all of that in the show notes for today's episode. So everyone can find you, follow you, contact you, all of those amazing things. So thank you for cool. sharing all of that. Of course. Of course. Yes. Yeah. I I'm so happy that you have so many resources because I do not want to end this call. <laughs> but we're we're nearing the end of our time here. Go ahead. Yeah. You know, here's the thing. We don't end the call. I had a coach or a friend who uh, tell me the other day, it's like, okay, so I ring a bell, right? I come onto a podcast and the podcast host likes me. And then, you know, some of their fans like me and all that. I'm like, yay me. No, that is not where this ends. I'm now I'm being dead serious. That is not where the sense is like, oh yeah, let's talk or let's have lunch. No, it's not that either. It's like, this is damn serious. This is not another widget. If we don't take care of this, we're going down in a heap. We humanity are going down in a heap. We can worry the two of you or whoever your guests or your uh, future guests or your future audiences 
you know, there's affiliations. If you really want to get paid also to get people in the course, I, there is a way to get paid a, a pretty nice chunk of change if you want to get somebody in the course. But it's not even that, right? It's like, what can we do to incentivize a program that's been developed for 64 solid years that is finally coming off of the press that is a taking on at least a last-ditch opportunity to alter the course of these uh, you know, human experiences that are taking us into the hole? Like, really? No matter what side you're on on an issue, there's not very many people going, oh, yeah, things are going to be, things are just perfect. I don't think so. That's mm-hmm. one thing we all agree about is this is this is about to get shitty. Yeah, about to. We're right? at, and so yeah, I invite you both to step up, you know, to step in with me. Say, you want to talk some more about how to create that partnership um, or how to create, you know, a stand. And you know, I, I know it sounds like uh, it's not about being self-centered. It's like, bring this forth, like, you know, mm-hmm. in your next guest, like in your next commercials, in your next uh, post, because this has to be a movement. If I'm going to get, you know, one registration a week, I mean, that's fine, I guess. But shouldn't it really be hundreds or thousands per week? Yeah. Or, you know, I mean, really. And it's tricky, right? Because on the one hand, it's like, yeah, of course he wants a thousand. He created a course. He wants a thousand. So, you know, pad my wallet or something. I have no problem padding my wallet. It's, I'm not saying that that's not happening. But what I am saying is that when I step back from this, this stuff is too important. I have access to giving people the true voice. It's what I've been doing my whole life. It's why I thought I went into psychiatry in the first place. It's why I came into the world 64 years ago. So, Maybe I'm a little too little too late, but whatever. I don't have anything better to do. I definitely don't have anything better to do, and and, and this is it. So come join me, and I, I say that to your guests, uh, to your guests and your audience as well. Like, just come join. You don't even have to join the course if you don't want, but then help mm-hmm. other people join the course, or you know, come to the mastermind, or you know, at least join True Voice Community, by the way, which is a free Facebook group. So that one doesn't have nearly the bells and whistles, but it's a place of like-minded individuals, True Voice Community Facebook. You know, let's rock this thing because it's tiring. Yeah. Mm-hmm. You're helping humanity. So thank you for that. Yeah. Yeah. We have yes. to work together. Thank you. So many important calls to action here today. So thank you. Yeah. We always like to wrap up with the final piece of advice, what is like the emotional buy-in for us, for our community, for our audience, so we can make sure that this is continued? Well, there might be nothing wrong with you. That's what's here. Even if you're sure there is, there might not be. Part of being normal is knowing in your heart of hearts that you're not normal. We compare our insides with everyone's outsides. You've heard that. But the deal is there might be nothing wrong with you. There's shit out here to deal with, and it's very painful at times. And it causes, you know, massive cynicism, resignation, you know, you, you just, you know, futility, pain. But that doesn't, we don't blame a log for burning in a fire, and we don't have to blame you for having confusion living in this life. Mm. It's thoroughly confusing. There, anyone who's acting like it isn't confusing is just completely lying. Yeah. straight up. And there are people out there like, I got this, watch me. I do this and I make a lot of money. I got a lot of friends and I travel all over the world. I don't give a shit. You have no idea what you're doing. You know, you got that part figured out, but that isn't what we're doing here. 
So um, there might be nothing wrong with you. I think that's what I really like passing on to your customers or to your um, your audience. And sometimes what's wrong with you is that you have taken the leap into thinking that there's something wrong with you. And now you have all sorts, you know, people have called you an elephant. So from now on, you're walking around like you have a trunk and, you know, and then you're eating elephant food that makes you look and act more like an elephant. And now you have an elephant and you are an elephant. Your kids are elephants too. And you just like, you bought that you're an elephant. All right. Total buy-in. Go total buy-in and the pills or the treatment actually are designed to perpetuate the symptoms. They're marketed to treat. So in fact, it helps you grow a trunk. You're an elephant. Yay. There's people out there like that. This is not about curing everyone. And then there's the people who are, like I said, who are really happy with how the treatment's going and they really have found themselves inside of the conventional system and they really don't want to hear about me challenging that. I am not challenging that. Seriously, good for you. But for the other hundreds of millions of people where that's not the case, there might not be something wrong with you. You might be okay. And if we start from there, it's pretty remarkable, uh, pretty remarkable what happens at that very second. Yeah. Mm. Yeah. I think a lot of people are looking for the answers that you're giving and I appreciate what you said. I mean, there's someone in my life right now that, uh, the medications work well, they work really well for them and they should be on them. And that, like you said, good for them. They figure that out and that's great. But I think there's a very large percentage of the population that, um, is feeling lost in this realm and looking for answers. So yeah, thank you for all that you're doing. Thank you. Yep. Really my pleasure. Thanks for having me on. Thanks for a great question. Mm, yeah. So wonderful. This definitely exceeded all expectations. Just cool. so grateful for this conversation and there will be more. I, Dr. I Fred. Yeah. Cool. Thank you. You're welcome. Thank you. Thank, thank you. you thank you. Me. You're yeah. welcome. You're welcome. Thank you so much. And thanks to everyone that tuned in today. We'll see you next time. Love this episode of the biohacker babes podcast. Head over to Apple Podcasts to subscribe, rate, and leave a review. We truly appreciate your support. Until then, happy biohacking. This podcast offers health, fitness, and nutritional information and is designed for educational purposes only. You should not rely on this information as a substitute for, nor does it replace professional medical advice, diagnosis, or treatment. If you have any concerns or questions about your health, you should always consult with a physician or other healthcare professional.